Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through his word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to listen to this week's message. I want to read three passages of scripture, the first two being from the book of the beginning, Genesis, and the third and last one from 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. Pastor Craig saying normally this last Sunday we have youth pastors or others preach. The reality is, is uh, he called me and said we're $46,000 away from our financial goal in 2020. And I said, well, give me the mic. We're going to take up. As many offerings as needed until the Lord provides and shows off. But uh, no, all jokes aside, um, we're 46,000. I think, I don't know if it was the last time I was in the pulpit or two times ago, but it wasn't too long ago. I announced we were 100,000 away. And since then, we're now down to 46,000. That's a big jump. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. From the goal of 480,000. You say, what, why does that goal matter? Well, it just speeds up breaking ground and being able to get all the finances aligned. And um, Lord willing and time willing, at the end of this gathering, I'll give you maybe a little more update of uh, financial and um, so that you can uh, prayer, have prayer and focus in prayer as we go into 2021. So... All right, Genesis chapter 5, beginning in verse 18. Jared lived 162 years and begot Enoch. After he begot Enoch, Jared lived 800 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Jared were 962 years and he died. Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years, and Enoch walked with God. And he was not, for God took him. Then Genesis chapter 6 and verse 9. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. And then lastly, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 16. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you, body of Christ, followers of Jesus, are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them, and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. I want to preach a message today titled, The Presence, The presence. And before I do, I'd like to pray. Father, we come before you 
through the only door available to return to you. The only door available to truly come home for Christmas. Jesus Christ the King. And we're so grateful that He gave His life, that He shed His blood, that in Him is forgiveness of sins and redemption and a way back into Your presence. Lord, I thank You for each person here. I thank You, Lord, that You created them. I ask, Holy Spirit, that You would reveal to them the realities of truth and the reality of Jesus and His kingdom. Holy Spirit, I yield to You. Make much of Jesus. Shine the light of God into our life. Continue to build your people so that the gates of hell will not prevail. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Personally, I have thought often about this staggering reality that Scripture speaks of. That both Enoch and Noah walked with God. And they did not just walk with God... They walked with God before the new covenant was established. They didn't just walk with God, they walked with God before Jesus and that first Christmas ever happened in Bethlehem. They walked with God in a time when Scripture says that wickedness began to multiply. Wickedness didn't just increase, there began to be a multiplication of wickedness. So much, in fact, that we know only Noah and seven others got in the ark and survived the global flood of judgment for the sins on the earth. Now you might be thinking, why, Pastor Chad, is this staggering to you? Well, it's staggering to me because if I know anything or if I know something, I know some things of my own life and my own journey. If I know anything and know something, I know some of the ups and downs of my own story and the difficulty that it has been to walk very closely with God in all seasons and in all times. To walk with the consistent spiritual awareness of His presence and closeness with me at all times. And it's not just me. As a spiritual leader called of God to the body of Christ, I have observed that it is the majority of American Christians that I have observed or personally known. From the mega churches to the smaller churches, that it has been difficult for people to walk closely with an awareness of the presence of God in their life. And can I tell you that this creates frustration for me personally. If you struggle with the word frustration, if it sounds too strong for you, then if you like softer words, how about I find it personally that it creates a lot of tension with me. Why is this? Because for around 20 years, I have spent most of the time majoring on Paul's letters that exposes and explains the glorious truths of the new covenant. Twenty years of focusing on the reality of the finished work of Jesus and now the available full ministry of the Holy Spirit under this new covenant. And due to those twenty years of focusing on those realities, the gap and discrepancy between what is possible 
and what is lived by American followers of Jesus is staggering. It's staggering. And yet there is Enoch and there is Noah before all of what Jesus has accomplished just walking with God. Walking with God. Did you notice it in Genesis 5 and 18? It said that Enoch walked with God 300 years and he had sons and daughters. Now let me help some of you young people out. Some of you single people. It's one thing to walk with God when you're single and alone. It's another thing to walk with God having sons and daughters. See, I have found life is a lot easier when it's just me. It's you that make my life so difficult. (laughs) It's other people that make life so difficult. But yet there's Enoch walking with God year after year. Sons and daughters, and you think that your cousin Eddie is so difficult. Enoch lived so long, just imagine how many cousin Eddies he had. I mean, he lived a long time. You thought your family had a lot of distant cousins. Could you only imagine? Imagine the family tree of Enoch. And there he is, though, walking with God. Sons and daughters. And then you have Noah. Where Genesis 6, 9 says, Noah was a just man and he's perfect in his generation. A generation where no one else responded correctly with, to what God was saying and doing. And there he is, Noah, walking with God. Not long ago, I was alone in the woods. If that sounds strange to you, well, you need to get to know me. You'll hear that often. But I was alone in the woods, and I was thinking along these lines. And I asked, and I pondered in my own heart. I said, why is it so difficult to walk with the continual awareness of the presence of God in my heart. And you know what I heard? I heard this. What I heard was this. Because there is often too many other things also present in your heart. Wow. Think about it. See, it's hard to continually experience the presence of one in the presence of many things. It's like finding something in my garage. It's hard to find the one thing in the presence of so many other things. You say, now wait a minute, Pastor Chad. There's so many things in the world. No, no, no. I didn't say that it's hard to experience the presence of one in the presence of many things in the world. It's hard to experience the presence of the one when there's many things in the presence of our heart on the inside. See, listen, it's hard to continually experience the peace of the one in the presence of many cares. You say, now wait a minute, Pastor Chad, are you telling me that I'm not to care? That we cannot care? No, no, no. No one said anything about not caring. But listen, as followers of Jesus, we have to grow and learn to cast our cares continually upon Him who cares for us perfectly, our Heavenly Father, and at the feet of our King 
Jesus. Why? Because listen, if we don't grow to learn to continue to cast our cares, then those cares will begin to control our heart and our awareness. Now, let me clarify up front. When I talk about the awareness of the presence of God, you got to understand that there is the experience of God's presence physically upon the body. Scripture is clear about this. That you can experience the presence of God in a physical, tangible way. The woman who had an issue of blood, she came and she reached and she touched the hem of her garment and it said instantly she felt something in her body. That is the manifest and revealed presence upon the body. But there's also the experience of God's presence in the soul or the emotions. The issue is, is both of these occurrences are not abiding experiences. There is no reality that you and I are going to walk when it says Enoch walked with God, Noah walked with God. It's not that they walked with the constant physical awareness of God's presence physically. It's not that they walked with a continual awareness in their emotions of God's tangible, revealed, manifest presence. But listen, there is available for you and I. There is available for us the abiding experience and awareness of God's presence in our inner person or in our spirit or in our consciousness. That despite the physical activity we're engaging in, despite how we physically feel, despite the fluctuation and the roller coasters and the swing of our emotions, there is available for followers of Jesus an awareness in our spirit that God lives in us and is with us at all times. In fact, this brings us to our last passage of Scripture. As Paul writes to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians 6, and he's talking about the reality of the new covenant. And he says, In what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you, now he's writing to believers, those who have not responded correctly to God's declaration and His gospel through the person, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, this is not applicable to them in their current state and position. But to us who have responded correctly to Jesus Christ, for you, the body of Christ, are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Notice what Paul says, that the new covenant and, and what God has done through the finished work of Jesus Christ and through the New Testament ministry of the Holy Spirit God has made a way to dwell in His people. And because God dwells in our spirit, there is available the reality of living with an awareness that even when we don't feel Him, even when we don't see Him moving, there is a reality that He dwells in us. That we are His temple. or the dwelling place of God. And all through December, we've been in this series, Home for Christmas. 
And when you think about home for Christmas, we find right here from 2 Corinthians, Paul and what he says that coming home involves coming out. When you think about coming home, coming home involves coming out. What do I mean? He says, listen, God has made a way for all humans, regardless of upbringing, regardless of what nation, regardless of what trial or circumstance they're in right now, God has made a way for all people everywhere to come out of their sin, to come out from their current position and to come home into His presence. Paul says, come out from among them. Come out from the course of this world. Scripture says that this world and the affairs and what's taking place on the world is on a course. And it's a course that is opposite to the love of the Father and Jesus Christ and His kingdom. And the gospel is a declaration to come out. Come out from the course of this world. Come out from the way of unbelievers. Come out from the way and the path of sinners and scorners and scoffers. Come out from agreement with the direction of this world that opposes the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. So when you think about coming home for Christmas... The gospel is a declaration that to come home involves coming out. Coming out from what every human has participated in. Where we've all turned our own way. We've all turned from God's way and followed the course of this world. Now I want to clarify. Maybe you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus. Or maybe you're listening or watching. Watching. Can I tell you whether you believe it or not? That God is my witness, I understand why you dwell currently where you dwell. And of course God understands perfectly and completely. See, if I was born where you were born if I was raised in that home you were raised in, if I was abused the way you were abused, I would dwell right where you currently dwell. In the course of the world that you're currently following in and flowing in. See, listen, as a community of followers of Jesus here called Dwelling Place, there's not judgment for those that are continuing are currently dwelling in the course of this world. There's not judgment but empathy in this place. And if you're new to this community, then help, let me help instruct and the Spirit of God grow you to understand that there's empathy here towards sinners where people currently dwell. Why? Because listen to me, as a community we start with the fact that there is a story for why you currently dwell in the lifestyle, in the practice, in the beliefs, in the sins, in the pattern of dysfunction that you currently do. We start with the fact and understanding that there is a story for why people currently dwell in the life they 
currently dwell in. Just like there was a reason why I was the class clown in school. Just like there was a reason I intentionally sought out sexually sexual encounters. Just like there was a reason I abused substances. Just like there was a reason that King filled in the blank. Just like there was a reason that Daniel filled in the blank. Just like there was a reason that Meredith filled in the blank. Just like there was a reason that John filled in the blank. Just like. So there's not judgment, but there's empathy that understanding how the story, how the story has shaped and molded and affected where people currently dwell and their sin patterns and their unbelief and their brokenness and their pain and their practices and their lifestyle. But listen, coming home to the place that we're truly all longing and searching for, coming home involves coming out from that place into the true home place of God the Father's presence through Jesus Christ, the King. Now, with that being said, though we start with the fact that the reason why people dwell where they currently dwell and practice what they currently practice is because there's a story for why. As a community of followers of Jesus Christ, we still must declare and hold faithful to Jesus and His teachings. So there's no judgment because we understand there's a fact why people dwell where they dwell, but we cannot not declare still what Scripture declares is truth and God's standard and what He's made available. So coming home involves coming out. Next, coming home involves getting things out. Notice there in 2 Corinthians 6, Paul writes to the Corinthians and he says, In what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you, followers of Jesus, are the temple of the living God. Now this statement is regarding those who have come home already. Those who have come home by coming out of sin in the course of this world, by accepting Jesus as the door, as the way to be reconciled to our Creator and as the entrance into the ultimate home place, the Father's presence. This is regarding those of us who are followers of Jesus now. And what it says to us is what agreement do we have with idols. Agreement means a joint deposit. What agreement do we have in putting our priorities in the same way, in the same order as unbelievers? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? What's he saying? He's saying we can be home, but coming home also involves getting things out. That we can be home and reconciled to the Father, but there's still some things we got to get out of us. There's still the possibility of idolatry or wrong thinking or patterns of living that is rooted in the old life that we've came out of. And he says... 
For what agreement has the temple of God with idols? What are idols? Idols is what you and I turn to and trust in in difficult times and situations and circumstances. That, yes, we have been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, but as followers of Jesus coming home and this series of, of Home for Christmas also deals with getting things out of our heart. Getting out of our mind and out of our affections and out of our desires and out of our pursuits things that we keep turning to and trusting in that is not the Father's will or best for you and I, His sons and daughters. Idols is that which takes priority or preeminence in our life. It's that which begins to obstruct our vision and pursuit of Jesus, the one who is to be sought first and to be first, who's to be the first and the last, who's the one that's to be preeminent in all of our life. That's listen, that even as followers of Jesus, we can still be living and caught up in negative dysfunctional patterns that is driving our life. And so coming home, of course it involves coming out of sin and coming out of the course of this world, but it also means now that we're home in the presence of the Father, that coming home also means getting some things out of our mind, out of our life, some patterns of dysfunction. See, listen to me. It's hard, remember, to continually experience the presence of one in the presence of many things. If we don't get the things out, the idols, the things we turn to, the things we trust in, and our difficult seasons and difficult circumstances, then we're not able to experience that abiding awareness that God dwells in us and that we are His temple. Because the, the presence of many things obstructs the awareness of the one main thing. That we are God's temple. And He dwells in us. When it comes to this process of getting things out, I think about Moses. There's an interesting scripture in Exodus 2 and 22. Moses has fled Egypt where he was raised and grew up. And he's in Midian. He's been tending his father-in-law's sheep for years. He is married. He has a child. And in, in Exodus 2.22, it says, Moses named his son Gershom, for he said, I have been an alien residing in a foreign land. Ruth Haley Barden, thinking upon this season and this time in Moses' life says some very, very accurate and informing things regarding this. She says, He, Moses, began to make sense of his own history. And he was finally able to say, This is who I am. The experience of living as an alien in a foreign land is what has shaped me. Finally, he had come home to himself. All of us have need of this kind of homecoming. 
in which we claim our experiences as our own and acknowledge the ways they have shaped us. Then and only then are we in a position to take responsibility for ourselves rather than being driven by our unconscious patterns of manipulating and controlling reality. Listen, even as followers of Jesus who have come home by coming out of sin, we can still be driven consciously or unconsciously by things of our past and our experiences that we have not yet owned or affirmed or acknowledged of how they have affected and shaped us. Now watch this. Until we acknowledge such things, we are not in a position to be able to receive God's will and word regarding those things. See, Jesus, when he talks about the transition from the old covenant to the new covenant when it comes to worship, all next month we're going to talk about the theme, one of the four anchor values of this place, worship. And Jesus, when he talks about new covenant worship, he says that we are to worship in spirit. And those who come from spirit-filled, Pentecostal, charismatic type of Christendom, they have no issue with the spirit part, passion part, being excited, being free in God's manifest presence. But it's not just worship in spirit, not just worship passionately. It's also worship in truth. It's we have to acknowledge the truth that I can be home and reconciled to the Father, and yet in my daily life, there are still some things that need to get out of my life, get out of my attitudes, get out of my character, get out from driving me into dysfunctions, whether consciously or subconsciously. So listen, coming home involves coming out, and coming home for followers of Jesus involves getting things out. But you remember Enoch and you remember Noah? You remember the reality that Scripture testifies that there they are walking with God? And you know what? They even make Hebrews chapter 11, which is known and said to be the hall of fame of faith. And they make it rightly so. In Hebrews 11.5, here's what the chapter that people refer to as the Heroes are the hall of fame of faith. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found, watch this, because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Verse 7. By faith, Noah. Notice our two people that Scripture in the Old Covenant, the book of the beginning of Genesis, testifies they walked with God. The writer of Hebrews picks up the theme and he gives some insight regarding the walk. He says, By faith, Enoch, then by faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. 
What do we see here? We see that when it comes to the reality of walking with the abiding conscious awareness that God dwells in us, that he who's joined to the Lord is one spirit with him, we see the necessity of faith. Because walking in this awareness is not us physically experiencing in our body His tangible presence all the time. It's not experiencing in our emotions always this tangible feeling of happiness and peace and comfort. No, no, no. It is something that's much deeper at the spirit level of your being, and therefore we see the necessity of faith in this process of not just coming out, because people don't come out of sin without faith, believing that God exists, and the one God has only made one way to be right with Him through the one person, the one only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, but also faith is necessary for followers of Jesus in getting things out. In fact, Paul, the apostle in Romans 1, frames the entire New Testament gospel that the just shall live by faith. By faith. Now, the issue is, is there's all these faith distractors. There's all these things around us that seek to distract us from the necessity of faith. And faith is necessary to walking with God with this inner spirit conscious and awareness that you are His temple and that He dwells with you and lives in you. I don't want to talk about many faith distractors because I don't have time even though we don't have a second gathering and I could just preach to you in the time of both. That would be a wonderful Christmas present to you, I'm sure. But I want to talk about what I believe is the biggest faith distractor. At least it has been in my life, and I think that I, being a human like you, can have some confidence that it might just be also the biggest faith distractor in your life. You ready for it? What is the biggest faith distractor? You. I have found that the biggest faith distractor to God, to living with the spirit and awareness that I'm His temple and He dwells in me, is me. And I bet the biggest distractor in your life of faith is you. Is you. Sometimes we object and say, no, 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 no. It's my dysfunctions. It's my patterns. It's what was done to me. It's what was passed down to me. No, no, listen though. Until such things get out of our life, that is the only you people know and encounter. Like people are not able to separate our dysfunctions from us. Their experience of us is the experience of our dysfunctions, but 
It's their experience of you until the things are gotten out and dealt with. See, it's hard to continually experience the presence as if you are the only one that matters and the presence of many. And you say, why is that important? Because you, me, us, individually, have been so affected by the course of this world that we want to make all of life and everything in life just about you. And coming home for Christmas means, as followers of Jesus, there's some things that we have to get out. And all these things that we got to get out can be summarized of how they empower you, they empower me to only be concerned about you and only be concerned about me. And what I find myself needing to hear is, Chad, why are you still acting like you're the only one here? Why are you still acting like you're the only one hurting? Why are you still acting like you're the only priority or the only one who has needs? Why are you still just so focused on you? Why are you still making life just about you? Listen, and what I have found is this is where the battle of faith hits us. Is faith for selfishness to get out of us so that Christ can show Himself through us. It takes great faith to not concern ourselves just with ourselves, but to concern ourselves with God and His King and His Gospel. It takes great faith to trust that a God we can't see and a King we've never met physically cares enough about us that we don't have to be consumed only about ourselves, But we can learn to be consumed with Himself. That we don't have to get consumed with all the cares about ourselves, because we can learn to have relational trust and faith with one who cares more deeply for us. We can learn to cast our cares. So listen, coming home involves coming out, and coming home involves getting things out, but lastly, coming home involves singling out. Singling out. What do I mean? Did you notice... There in 2 Corinthians, Paul says, and he quotes, he says, God has said, I will be their God. God says to His people, I will be their God. God says and is determined to be your God. But how often 
Do you and I seek to make other things or other people our God? And God is determined to be the God of His children. To be the one in times of trial and difficulty and tension and circumstances that we turn to. Listen, you say, well, what does that mean? That, that I can turn to God and, 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 and He's going to just give me finances needed for my life and I don't have to work? No, 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 listen. Work is the means. But God is the supplier of those means. And when God says, I'm determined to be thy God, what He's saying is, I'm determined that in every area of life, He's the priority, He's the first. That we don't take even the good things and try to make them our God. See, I I can find that I can, if I want, I can try to make my wife my God. I, I can try to make my accomplishments my God. I can make my children, my God. There's all kinds of things I can seek to put my trust in. But God says, no, 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 listen. Coming out involves singling out. And He's determined to be your God and to be first in the lives of His sons and daughters. Then He says, and they shall be my people. God says, your identity is bound up in me. Notice he says, when it comes to my children, they're my people. My people. You and I can't know our true identity without allowing God to declare to us, you're my people. There is a lot of things in this world that try to label us and become the foundation for our identity. But God says to His people, I have to be the foundation of your identity before you can navigate through all the other labels and things of life. See, how often are we trying to be a certain type of people? How often are you and I trying to be a certain group of people? You know, it's like adults, though they've move past middle school and high school and college, we just now have the adult version. You still have people who saying, you know, the athletes and those that love sports, they're my people. Then you got the people that's really into knowledge and learning and, and uh, you know, uh, they say, those are my people. And what God declares to you and I as His sons and daughters is no, we are His people. He... He says, no, you're my people. My people. That the foundation for you and I of who is our people is our brothers and sisters in Christ. It's the foundation. Then he says this. He says, come out. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. God says, I'll receive you through Jesus. But how often are we still doing things and being driven in life to be received by someone or some person. How often is the past and things that's happened to us, whether consciously or subconsciously, driving us looking to be received by someone or some person that we have put so much value on and God says, no, no, listen, my children, I will receive you. This is the foundational thing 
is God says, I will be their God. They will be my people. I will receive you. Then he says this, I'll be a father to you. How often are we seeking approval of a parent or a guardian that we never received it from by trying to make someone else into the object of a father or a mother or a guardian to us? And what God says is to, to His children, He has to be the foundation. This is what Jesus was getting after. And, and people get it real legalistic where He said, don't call anyone teacher. Don't call anyone rabbi for only one is your... What he's saying is, listen, the foundation for the people of God and the community of God, the foundation for you and I to be able to navigate successfully in faith, in life, is that He receiving us has to be the foundation. There, listen, there are some affirmation, acceptance, inward things being resolved that can only be resolved when you let Him receive you. If you keep looking outwardly for someone or something to receive you, the foundation isn't sufficient enough of what the gospel and the new covenant has done or desires to do. And then He says this, My sons and daughters, how often are we seeking and serving God on another foundation than just being his son or his daughter. Listen, we're trying to serve God on the foundation of our spiritual gift based on our talents. We're trying to serve God based on our accomplishment, trying to prove to him. And he says, no, no, listen, you're my son. You're my daughter. That's the foundation that it's from resting and the fact that you are a son and daughter of God is the foundation then to navigate the other issues of life. So coming at home involves this singling out. God is our God. Letting God say, no, you're my people. Your identity's wrapped up in me. I will receive you. I'll be a father to you. You're my sons and my daughters. See, listen to me. We know too much. There's this weird thing in growing in grace and the knowledge of Jesus where we start learning teaching of Jesus and His Word and we grow and we learn and then we reach a point where we have to then start unlearning. Watch this. The Apostle John, he writes in his first letter and he talks about these different stages of, of spiritual growth. And he, uh, along the lines of, of Paul's teaching, they talk about babes in Christ. They talk about... A children in the faith. They talk about young men and young women in the faith. And then he mentions spiritual fathers and mothers in the faith. Now, why is this important? Well, at each of those stages, he lists the predominant or prevailing characteristic of a follower of Jesus in one of those stages. When it comes to spiritual fathers and mothers, the mature in the faith, do you know what is the predominant characteristic the Apostle John highlights? 1 John 2.13. He says this, I write to you fathers because you have known a lot of things from the beginning. No, no. I write to you fathers because you have known Him who is from the beginning. See, coming out 
involves singling out. That we get a single heart, a single priority, single eyes, for God to be our God, our identities only found in Christ, that the one we have been looking for approval our whole time is only found in the Heavenly Father. That we are a son and a daughter. That it's in knowing Him who's from the beginning. That is the predominant characteristic of the mature in the faith. Listen, they don't know many things. They know Him who's from the beginning. And He is the foundation in dealing with the many things in life. See, listen... Coming out involves singling out, and you find these summary statements throughout the New Testament Scriptures. You ready for this? Watch this. 1 Corinthians 12, 6. God who works all in all. 1 Corinthians 15, 28. God may be all in all. Christ is all and in all. Gather together in one all things in Christ who feels all and in all, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. And then Ephesians 4, 6. Come on, team. He says this, One God and Father of all. Now he's writing to followers of Jesus, who is above all and through all and in you all. What's he saying? He's saying coming home involves singling out. Singling out that it's about God. It's about God summarizing all things in Christ. That the goal of the gospel is the glory of God in Christ. Listen, the goal of the gospel is not us continuing to be consumed with us. Coming home involves singling out that our true north, our due north, our priority, our primary passion, the primary acceptance we're looking for, our primary identity, our primary purpose, our primary provision, our primary fill-in-the-blank is only found in God being God and all things in Christ. Because it's hard to continually experience the presence of one when we allow the presence of many things to try to be priority in our heart. We have to get things out. To come home. It's hard to continually experience the presence as if you're the only one that matters and the presence of many ones who matter. And therefore, it requires us getting things out. And the summary of the gospel is that God may be all in all, that it's not about the difference of our gifts or even our callings. The goal is that God would be manifested in all of His children. 
that Christ would be manifested and would become the focus in all His children. It's a singling out regarding God. His Christ, His King. This brings us back to Enoch. It brings us back to Noah walking with God. Walking in the abiding awareness of God with them. Even when they don't feel it. Even when they don't see it. But I have found that difficult things need to be simplified for us to even remain hopeful of experiencing them. So I want to give us in conclusion five things that I heard this week. And listen, I'm using it not out of irreverence because listen, the presence of God is the presence of God. I'm using it though to focus on a particular particular real available experience with God and His presence. People say, well, God's everywhere. Well, that's true. But has that helped you live with the awareness? <laughs> what I'm talking about is an, an it factor. Uh, uh, experience available for you and I that even when we don't see him even when we don't feel him physically or emotionally we have this consciousness that comes from our spirit that he dwells in us he's with us and he walks among us the first thing is you gotta want it you gotta want it see without faith it's impossible to please him for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him you gotta seek him to be rewarded with what Enoch had a testimony that he pleased God. Enoch had this inner awareness. James 4, 6 says, 4, 8, draw near to God and He'll draw near to you. Notice what he tells his people. He doesn't say for us to passively just wait to have encounters with Him. It says for us to passionately pursue having encounters with Him. Listen to me. If I have not had, if I had not had encounters, experiencing a reality and awareness of God's presence in my life, I would not be here today. Would not be here today. But you gotta want it. You got to want it. It's the one thing That is the most mysterious thing about God and the way He's designed life to work. Is that He does not reveal Himself and take people further in what He's made available if they don't want it. God longs to be desired. But all through Scripture is the promise. If you'll seek Him, listen, in a way where He's singled out with all your heart. With the priority of all your heart, he says, I'll be found by you. Secondly, you got to welcome it. It's one thing to get to the place where you want it, but it's another thing when God's manifest, revealed, revealed presence comes, you don't draw back from it. 
that when those moments come, and a lot of times it doesn't come when it's convenient to our calendar and iPhone calendar and schedule. I've had moments where I had to call in to the boss and say, you're going to need someone to step in and fulfill what I'm doing for the next couple hours. I cannot, I can, I'm being encountered and I can't leave. Meaning, you got to want it. But when the Lord draws near because you've drawn near, you got to welcome it. Sometimes that means for some of you, You've so closed emotional spaces of your life that when he comes and you've never cried before or you ain't cried in decades, you let him open up those emotions. Or for some of you, 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 you hate yourself so much that when he comes and he says, but I receive you, but I'm a father to you, you let that love in. First Thessalonians 5.19 says, don't quench the spirit. So you got to want it. you got to welcome it. Thirdly, you got to worship in it. That means is you got to respond in worship when the revealed conscious awareness of God dwelling in you and walking and being with you comes. you got to worship in it. There's got to be a response. You know, the Old Testament tells the story how God would speak to Moses face to face. But oftentimes people forget it would say when, when that would finish, Moses would leave, but it said Joshua would stay in the presence of God. What would he do? Joseph, I mean, uh, Joshua would linger and keep worshiping in God's presence. You got to learn when we gather to come in so wanting to encounter God, so welcoming when God encounters you, but then worshiping in it. See, Paul, when he writes to Timothy and he talks about the church, he says how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, watch this, which is the church of the living God. The church, how Paul used it there, is when the saints of God gather together That is what's called the ecclesia. The called out ones gathered to encounter God. And he says, I write the thing so you might know how to act when we gather as the ecclesia, the church of God, the called out ones. And one of the ways we're to act is we got to learn to worship in His presence corporately then number four walk with it see the promise of 2 Corinthians 6 is that through the New Testament he made a way to live in us but he made a way to live in us so that he could walk with us you got to learn to walk in this awareness that as you go about your day you, you grow in your capacity to live not just from the physical experience of your life and not just from the emotional, soulish experience, but to the spirit awareness of your life where God dwells.
And everything is filtered through that singling out. And then fifthly, immerse in it. What I mean by immerse in it? It means you have to get all of these checkpoints or Christ form habits throughout your day and life that help you keep immersing in that conscious awareness that God dwells in you. That's why you find the psalmist, he didn't say, I just prayed in the morning. Then he said, I'm praying at noonday. And I'm praying in the evening. Why? To immerse yourself, you have to have these constant habits, rhythms, methods, manners that are biblical to stay engaged with the awareness. You are God's temple. And He dwells in you. Hallelujah. January 10th, we're going to kick off a seven-day fast. Fasting is to abstain from food or drink for a godly purpose. The purpose of singling out, coming home. To make our life, to make our year about God and His Christ no longer about us singling Him out. Listen, when God gets singled out, then we're in a position for Him to release out of His hand anything you and I need for life. Haven't you seen, like, the more you think about yourself and focus on yourself, it's like the more worse or more depressed or sad you get? Yeah, because the gospel set up, the summary is that God may be all in all. That Christ may be all in all. That it's all about God. It's all about His Christ. And when that singling out happens, then God can start working out of us and begin to shape and do what needs to be done. Starting a new series next Sunday, 167, how to worship God with the other 167 hours of the week. But I thought this was a good transitional message when we talk about His presence. How to begin to pursue His presence as we prepare our hearts and minds for the fast of the upcoming series. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org.